Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Well, welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today I have with me Amanda Hodgson. Now, Amanda, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I am so honoured to be here. I love the show. (laughs) Uh, It's so lovely to have someone on that's like, listens. Like, (laughs) going, that episode was awesome. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Someone out there in the big wide world is listening to me talk to these incredible women so um so it is exciting to have not only a listener but also you know someone that um has been recommended to me to have on as a guest by more than one person so that in itself is always a little bit of a we've got a bit to talk about today so (laughs) so I'm going to get stuck in and share a little bit about you with our listeners so on a quest to be better herself, Amanda Hodgson developed a high-performance system that fine-tunes even the most successful to increase their velocity. Born and raised in Melbourne, Amanda spent the early years of her career as a myotherapist, which combined her love of health and performance in treating patients, and then moved on to a work in the corporate sector as a business manager of various companies, streamlining their systems and creating pathways for growth and success. It was through that work that she realised how often successful people are compromising their health and fitness to win in business. And that didn't really sit right with her. In 2018, she created AH Coaching, a performance coaching business where she hacks human potential, elevating performance. What does that mean? She works closely with VIP clients to assess their daily habits through patterns and execution strategies to accelerate their results in health, fitness, and happiness. At the core, Amanda wholeheartedly believes that we are alive, that if we are alive, we are meant to be achieving greatness. Pain is only present when we aren't. Ready to be better forever, Amanda is who you have been looking for. Now, as usual, I read people's bios and I'm like, I have all the questions. <laughs> questions. I um, every so as I said, um, you were recommended as a guest to me by a few people, and um, you know, as as we do in in today's world, I jumped on social media. I was like, oh, who's this woman? And tell, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, she's like, I just rocket type woman. <laughs> <laughs> I see you're like jumping around or you're dancing or you're doing something and you're just and I was like I hope she bottles that energy that she can share with us and and obviously there are methodologies and a real a real magic to what you bring to your clients but also some real methodologies and systems and and mindset hacks in place um but as someone who's and I could be wrong, so please tell me if you don't agree with what I'm about to say. But 
I see you as a high achiever. Um, so if you do resonate with what I've just said, that I believe that you're a high achiever, do you feel that mm-hmm. you've been determined um, and had that level of focus? Um, yeah, you're right. I am a high achiever. <laughs> I was like, all- <laughs> if you tell me otherwise, I'll be like, now, can we unpack that? But I'm- No, it's all for socials. That's what, I'm not really. I just, no, um, I, I am and um, probably annoyingly so to a lot. But it's funny that you asked me that because when people ask me that, I'm always forced to reflect on how my youngest, my six-year-old, is the most determined and focused human I could find. And mm-hmm. obviously he probably gets that from oh, my husband. He's quiet as well. But um, when I look back, I, and often I find that quite annoying in Arlo because I'm like, just do what I asked, mate. Like, you don't get to have I an do. opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, when I think back, I have, you know, the answer is yes and no. I have always <laughs> been determined. When I was younger, my parents used to say to me, how do you always fall on your feet? Like, it doesn't matter what you do. You always find the right way up, even when there's no reason that you should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have that in my background and in my basketball background. Um, but there was certainly a time where I had to kind of switch that off. Mm-hmm. We struggled to fall pregnant with Lucan, our first son. And, and I met with one of my mentors at the time and he said to me, He let me talk and talk and talk. And he said, Amanda, you can't goal set this. And I go, what? What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? He's like, you can't goal set falling pregnant. And I'm like, but there's a process and there has to be a structure. And always when you break it down, there's a first, second, third and fourth quarter. And this is like game time. (laughs) He's like, you have to let go and let it be. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And so it was at that time that I was like, Oh, okay. Um, because before that moment, I kind of just was, you know, it just, I guess it's always innately been in me through my DNA, through my upbringing, through my sporting background. Um, and it was interesting having to turn that off for one of the most important things in my life. So I learned a lot through actually having to let go and let the process take care of itself. Um, and, and what I learned from that and when to turn that on and when to turn it off and, and how determined and focused to be at any given time was actually a huge lesson for me. So the answer is yes, but um, also I've learned that sometimes it doesn't serve, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. And um, we've definitely had guests on in the past that have had a similar mindset to you and I. We were both, I, I totally get it. And I'm yeah. through. so tell me the thing and I will tell, and I'll work backwards and I'll, I'll tell you the steps to get to the thing. Um, but there is uh-huh. element of surrender at certain points in our life mm. and certain, with certain things in our life that we genuinely cannot plan, mm. be it planned to get to the thing or the thing happens and you can't, you just have to right. get to it because you didn't see it coming in the first place. Um, so in that, when I was reading your bio and even as I read it in just this moment, I... I always find people that have worked in corporate, be it they still work in corporate, because I'm like, why do you do that? But I understand yeah. the economy would crash if everyone was like, corporate sucks and they let. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I really love that you are one of our many guests who have had this life in corporate and have stepped and have taken lessons from it, but have stepped away mm. into a new space and whatever else. Um, 
this focus on this streamlining systems and, and just having that mindset would have obviously served you so well in that space because it is, it is wide and like ours that can just do and do and do and do. Um, but what were your biggest insights at that point in your life? And, and be it when you were in it and it was good in the sense that you were smashing goals because you had this mindset to when you kind of had your aha moment. What were those lessons for you? You know, uh, corporate is one of those, as I, I, I'm stumbling over my words, I love the rat race of it all. Like, and I loved it so much, but then that's the juxtaposition of it, right? That you turn around and when you're in it, you don't really realise that you've kind of been gaslit by the, by the rat race of it, that you're in and you're going and you're going and you're like, I can give more and you're doing And it wasn't until... One day my sister said to me, I was working for a particularly challenging boss and I loved my job and I loved my work and the boss and I even really got along great, but it was just really quite challenging. And she said to me, you know, the more that you do, the more he's going to think you can do. And that will then be his expectation. He doesn't know that you stay there at 10. He probably doesn't care that you stay there until 10. You just are getting it done. And I was like, she hasn't worked corporate. She doesn't know, like, you know, and, but I had to come away from that and reflect and go, oh, you know, she's right. I keep saying no to things in my real life mm. to get things in my work mm-hmm. um, and, and compromising things that are important to me, even through that process of trying to have a child and things like that. And, and, mm. and I had to get really real with myself and think, well, what are the things that I actually need versus what I need to do to perform at work? How can I streamline the systems that I've created to make this business run so efficiently for someone but yeah. so that they also work for me? So it was the fact that then realising that I'd gaslit myself by being successful and had to go, oh, what do I actually want? And, and then when I took a look around, you know, after that I had the very – very good fortune of working for incredible bosses who I would have worked until 10 o'clock at night for quite happily, but they wouldn't let me because family came first. Yeah. And I remember when I started that job, it was my birthday and I came to work and there were cupcakes on my desk. And I was like, who are these for? Like legitimately were asking who they were for. And he just looked at me and I was like, isn't it your birthday? And I said, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And he said, they're for you. And I said, did you bake these? And he said, yeah. I was like, oh my God. He said, and he just looked at me and he said, what has happened to you? Like, what has been done to you? (laughs) I was like, I don't know, but I think I'm starting to realize. But do you know then the funniest thing happened? Then I was like, and not to undermine this, and I don't want to offend anyone of your listeners, but I was like, I think I have Stockholm syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like, I was starting to miss my old job and the old people I worked with, even though I was miserable. And it was, Mm -hmm. and, and now I can look back with hindsight and every single experience brought me to where I am today. And I'm super grateful for it all. Yeah. Um, but then combining all those things, I was like, I can't with my background in health and fitness and human anatomy and, and caring for people, I can't in good faith just sit by and watch a whole or like a whole genre of work in the corporate space just kill themselves to get ahead. Like I, what can be done about that? And then that's what got me thinking about it all and how I could relate the two. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that in the sense of the they're killing themselves like even those words specifically and oh and I use those words get to something I'm like where are they getting to like what does the (laughs) some money that comes with job abc but yeah what's the point um and that's the that's the bit that I have 
I'm also a corporate escapee and I yeah. it's the bit that I look at and go what what are you doing that for like what is the purpose of that and when you're in it you don't actually know you kind of like aren't I doing the steps like someone told this me thing yeah this so then I went mm-hmm. this job and then I did this thing and it didn't matter that my boss didn't actually even know that I had a birthday or cared right or actually notice my mood and would genuinely say, how are you today? You seem a bit off. Do you need to leave early or whatever? Like mm. human stuff doesn't matter sometimes. Um, yeah. In And it's not just corporate. It could be a small business and it, it could, could be, be, yeah. It's, like it's, it's just, also humans. Yeah, it's just humans <laughs> that get off track versus humans yeah. who are paying enough attention to their humanity and how it impacts the other humans and yeah. No, it's very, very true. That's so true. I couldn't imagine, um, and now I almost can't imagine living like that every day. Well, I definitely, not almost. I <laughs> yeah. definitely cannot. Or, com- or letting, like allowing it to happen in my space. I'm so protective of my space now that I'm like, I. and so when I see it in other people, it's definitely one of those triggers for me. Where I'm like, you know, you don't have to live like this and let me help you. <laughs> you know, I get all very up in And then you try and fix it. it. You're like, but, but. Just do these five things every week for six weeks and then call me and then we'll go for, you know, then I start being full on. <laughs> I understand that. I have done that myself. <laughs> it's it's one of those things, I, I guess, when you have a life lesson and, and you have makes and you have to, as you said, you protect it. It's not just I flicked a switch and then I did the thing and then now it's easy. It's mm. protecting it with your boundaries and with your mindset and yourself. Mm-hmm and your mental health and then doing that again and doing it again and doing it mm-hmm. and um yeah it takes practice and and sometimes we do we'll find ourselves doing things and we're like wait why am I doing this yeah You're if really we're lucky snuck in if we're lucky and wake up halfway through and go hang on hmm. yeah what am I doing yeah, yeah so true. now you um you have a phrase called well a, a term that you've used called hack human potential mm-hmm. now we've just been talking about humans and their humanity um what does that mean to you like how do you translate that to someone who maybe hasn't thought about human potential in the way that you probably see it um well the difficulty one of the difficult things about what i do is that people don't often realize that they're in a cycle or a story or you know, a system that they're, so for me, hacking human potential is recognizing or or, or educating people that often we're acting on wiring that is subconscious. So based on things that doing things just because we've done them before kind of mentality. And so hacking human potential is about asking people the right questions and getting the right information. I am all about getting data So asking yourself the right questions, asking your life the right questions so that you have information coming in that you can act on instead of making assumptions that already pre-existed or got created from somewhere that you don't recognise or that maybe you can go, oh, that was from when, sorry. That's my dog barking. Oh, that's okay. My dog's always barking in this podcast, so I'm glad. She never barks. (laughs) It's fine. Um, You know, so... I am all about, you know, getting that data whatever way you can. So whether that's through, um, and I'll give you an example. So often when people are working out, for instance, we're doing it without any seemingly great results. So we go, oh, I've failed or so I will 
everyone that works with me has to have a calendar on the wall and you have to tick and cross every day that you do or don't do. And the crosses aren't there to guilt you. They're to actually show you that on the broad spectrum of things, like say over a 30 day or a 60 day cycle, you actually showed up more than you think you did, even though your Mm. brain, if you didn't have that calendar, your brain would probably tell you that you failed or that you didn't Mm. do as well as you could have. Now what that data of the ticks and crosses gives you is, oh, I actually did well or I didn't do well. So here's what I'm going to do. On average, I showed up twice a week. That's not good enough. So now my non-negotiable is three to four times. Mm-hmm. Right. So it gives you data to work on, which always then feeds into the confidence of the forward momentum. So you're mm-hmm. hacking your potential because you're acting on information rather than assumption. Yeah. And so I assume that data analysis piece of you look at the facts you stop running on assumption. You look at the facts and you say, how can I make change, good or bad, um, in the sense of good as in I increase or bad as in I decrease? Um, And how can I continue to hack the data? Because that's really what I'm hearing with what you just said. It's the data is, is factual. It gives you the tools that you need to know the facts of what, where you're at. If, with the example that you've given us in the sense of fitness and, and, and physical movement to, um, you know, I chose, I, I know that journaling is really good for my mental health, um, but sometimes I just want to go to bed. So I don't journal, but then how does that impact my mental health? And it's, it's just looking at hacking the data mm-hmm. so I can tweak it to my advantage. Yeah, and the other thing it does is that it um, helps us find that sweet spot because often when people are doing this, and like you said at the top of the interview, if you look on my social media, you would think I'm dancing around and jumping around all the time, but I'm not. So what it actually gives us is that sweet spot of like for you, for instance, I feel really good when I journal five times a week. I don't have to do it seven. That's too much pressure, and then I just start to get anxious about it. But when it's like four to five times a week, I feel really great. And, and you start to understand where you work best, which is hacking potential again. And, and that's, that's the performance of it all. You know, that doing things based on your data, not on what you think is expected from other people or from what you see on social media or from what is out there, it's finding that spot that sits well with you. Yeah. And I love that that is, obviously that's how you work with your clients, but I guess we can all take away that bit of knowledge of remembering that we are all individuals and something I often say to the school kids that I go and um, speak to um, when I do school programs and whatever else is I remind them that even if they're a twin they're still unique so what impacts them in a certain way is very different to the person sitting next to them and 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 we have to remember that because there's so much information out there that we want to just take it and go, oh, I'm going to do this exactly like this, but it's just not necessarily designed. I understand that it obviously for people to invest in coach, uh, PT, uh, whatever that is catered to them is an investment. Um, But at the same time, it's also about looking at information with a lens of it being yours. So... Mm reading something like uh, I'm a pescatarian for example and so if I read a menu plan I'll look at it and I'll be like that said steak steak on Tuesday I'm just not going to eat steak on Tuesday so I need to adjust that to me as opposed to having the mindset of 
that's how it's supposed to be done. So I'm just yes. myself to fit that box sort of thing. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about um, that kind of physical aspect. And as I said, often when I see a social media, I'm like, she's jumping around again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that because I don't do that. So I, I actually, things like that really resonate for me because that's what I love as the beauty of the world um, in the sense that I don't think we're just getting into reels at the moment for our business. It's like taken us a while because like just... oh, it's so fun. And so um, fun. but even then, like I've been saying, I'm like, we're we're about six months away from me dancing around in a reel. <laughs> it might come eventually, but it's not coming anytime soon. So when other people are doing it, I'm like, cool, that person it for sure caught me off guard. It was like the last thing I thought I would be doing. They just <laughs> but you know, and and not to get all serious about fun but I also recognized a few years ago that I wasn't having as much fun in my life as I should so this is something that is what I do for work and as you can tell from this conversation and I'm quite intense so I can be quite intense and serious so I love it because it brings it shows people who I am and a lot of my friends have said oh people get to see you like we know you like this is the Amanda that we know not the you know um not that how many times did you wake up this weekend? Is that what you promised yourself? You know, and all those Stop yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. And it, that's a really beautiful compliment from your friends. Um, yeah. Have identified that they, you know, you're sharing that little spark that we often do reserve for the people closest to us. Um, yeah. They're, they're getting to see that. But it, in addition to the physical, um, mm. I can very much already hear there is such a focus underneath, underlying that is about the mental focus and um, and what goes to us being better. So, so talk mm. us through that because you you posted something um, recently. Uh, I think it was actually only in the last few days. Something around how does how much time does it yeah. form a habit? And like, there's so much stuff out there around like it takes 21 days and it takes this. And yeah. tell us what you said because that is part of this mental focus stuff that I think is brilliant. Yeah, well, you've actually, I got tingles as you said that because you've actually hit the nail on the head because the mental clarity and focus is the point. Like that is why, that is what I use fitness for, mm. particularly with my clients. Um, and the habit thing is, you know, I kept researching and doing all this stuff and and then I finally, and I just kept thinking, no, habits just take as long as they take. Like when I wake up and I don't think, and I'm in my garage with my workout gear on and I haven't thought about it, that's when I know it's a habit. Or if I'm at midday and I've drunk my day's allocation of water because I'm notoriously terrible at it, then I know I've created the habits that will suit that strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the post was, you know, a big cross through all those things that we hear, 21 days, 60 days, and it just takes as long as it takes with a big tick next to it because I think the stopping point for most people is the frustration of getting closer to what they think the expectation is and that they feel like they're not going to hit it. And so they quit, you know, you bow out before you get it wrong. Right. And that's just human nature. But if we know that everybody has a different mark, it could take three days or it could take three months, depending on what the habit we're trying to create is. And depending on our wiring and how much we have to train ourselves, then, you know, the pressure of expectation is lifted, which is just so much of the process. Like if I can eliminate the pressure of the expectation, and coach people through, um, you know, just being and going until, then, um, you know, that, that, that that's my job successful. And, and that's why I use exercise as a tool because 
you know, we can learn from physical or emotional trauma, but I'd rather not. So I prefer to create that in an exercise kind of realm where people get to that point, you know, that they're like, I've got nothing left. I can't do it, but then they can. I've got a great strategy where I make my clients do just one more. Or I, um, so they might have, I might say, okay, give me 10 push-ups," and then they get to the 10th and I'm like one more. And just as they're dying and they find it and they're like, Oh, I did that. And that ability to go over the line. And I used to have a running coach that was like, my maiden name was Donnelly. So he'd always like Donnelly toes over the line, not under the line. And I wanted to punch him every time he said it to me. But now I know like the mental benefit of going past the line instead of just hitting it was so advantageous and then fed through to my basketball and then fed through to my mental clarity on everything else that that's what I like to coach at now. So if I can do that in an exercise program or help people with those strategies, you know, I found exercise to be the thing that most um, is most likable to almost relatable to an actual physical or emotional trauma mentally where we go, I'm done. I've got nothing left. You can't have anything more from me, but then you find something because when we're tapped out, like say whether it's emotional or physical, we've only really used 40% of our capability, which means we always have 60% left in the tank. So, and, and that's the preservation of the brain. Our brain is designed to, designed to keep us safe. So if we can tap into that 60%, even if we can tap into 10% of that 60%, like that is the being better every day, just a little bit every day. And then what happens is that those things you spoke about before, like those life instances come up and you go, oh, I actually am getting through this okay because I have the strategy to go one step at a time or just give a little bit more or, you know, you use those things in your real life. Mm. And I love your running coach. Um, I'm sure there were days where you didn't love your running coach. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> um, uh, that over the line part I think and don't get me wrong there are days where because our brains will override whatever we're trying yes. to do we will fall short of the line and, and mm-hmm. the days where you say I need to rest and I will do the thing tomorrow and I'll come back and that's the day that you mark your calendar but you ignore 100% tomorrow is the day that you tick the box as opposed to the cross yep. and that's okay I'm very much acknowledging that that's okay but um we, it's funny, you remind me of, I, I did a workshop at a school just, just this week and um, one of the other facilitators does this exercise with the kids. So we had 130 year fives and sixes. So that in itself is intense <laughs> for that many kids <laughs> of that age. Um, and he gets into this exercise where we're in the school hall. So there's lots of um, sporting lines on the ground and he gets just randomly picks three kids and He's like, I want you to drive from this line to this line. And um, they're really close. So they do this little kind of hop. And then he pulls them right back to the back of the room. And he's like, I want you to jump from this line to this line, giving them like about a meter jump. And do a big run up and they give it all they've got. And they sometimes clear it and sometimes they don't. But the effort they put in to try to clear the biggest space. Then right at the end, he gives them two lines that are really close together. And he's like, I want you to jump this. And they do a little hop again. And it's exactly what your running coach was saying. He says to them, just look at the amount of effort that you put in when you knew the distance was bigger, when you knew you, you really had to stretch yourself. But why yeah. do you not stretch yourself to jump way over the little line? Right. Could. And it's Clear like. Clear it well. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, and I was and watching these kids in the aha moment. This is yeah. 
And they'll think about that. They'll come up to things yeah. in life that they'll go, oh, this is the effort he was talking about. Yeah, because I know that I can just step over this. Uh-huh. But if I choose to leap over this, how much further can I go? How much more can I learn from this experience? How much further mm. can I push myself? And what's sitting a metre away versus an inch away sort of thing? So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, and I, I like, and I wasn't aware of those kind of percentages around, though I probably was in the sense of the the reservation that our brain has to protect us, mm. to keep us safe. But those mm. just make so much sense mm-hmm. at how much our brains are just wired to make us stay in this. Yeah, where we don't push and we we stay small or we stay in our comfort zone or we don't do the hard stuff because it's hard. It is. And I, and I always, um, I always feel really not obligated, but it's really important to me to make clear to people that when you work like this and you do the hard and you create these moments, it also means that in the off times you get to really enjoy them because they're intentional off times. Mm -hmm. You're not relaxing or having a day off or putting an X on your calendar thinking I should be doing this and maybe I should have done that. You only think that when you haven't done all the things you're supposed to do before that. Right. If you have, if you've been underperforming, your rest days aren't really rest days. They're just days that you're wracked with guilt. Yeah. 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 So it's about creating intention in everything that you do, including the time off. Yeah. Oh, you're speaking my language. You said the word intention. <laughs> oh, we're on the same page. Yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> now, 2020, we all did 2020 in mm. a way. Um, mm-hmm. we all, um, I actually, we realized before we started recording that I thought that you were Melbourne based, but when I worked out, you used to live in Victoria and blah, 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 and we worked mm-hmm. it, but, um, yeah, we've obviously all experienced 2020 and lockdowns and different, different things in different ways. Um, but I obviously just recently learned that in addition to just 2020 being the year that we all experienced, um, and, um, a global pandemic in our own way. Your family has experienced 2020 in a way that some have not. Um, so can you talk us through that and what your biggest takeaways were from last year? Um, I can, yeah. In March, well, Friday the 13th of March in 2020, my husband... I remember that Friday because I was interstate going, am I going to be able to get back? I should get home, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just spent the last few days calling my husband in the States going, "Um, I think that things are about to go really pear-shaped. And he was supposed to go back on a second work trip and and we've got friends in the States. And so the way the world was then, I was saying to him, well, maybe you should just go and stay at their house. And, you know, if your second trip is important, just stay there because you won't get back. Mm. And he was like, no. But then his work sent out an email and he's like, they're like, right, everybody home. And he was flying home anyway. So he flew in on Friday the 13th and by Saturday the 14th that evening he got a slight cough and by Sunday it was evident he was becoming quite sick. And so obviously we were like, okay, so... And the world and, and Australia at the time was ill-equipped and not in, I'm not bagging it out, but it was, mm. we were just like, well, how do we get a COVID test? I've got no idea how to do this. So we're trying to call New South Wales Health and we're on hold for hours. And they're like, get a referral from your GP. And I'm like, we're fit and healthy people who moved to Sydney 18 months ago. We don't have a GP. <laughs> like, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we haven't seen a doctor. doctor yep. Yep. 
but we made it all happen. And anyway, he ended up having a test on the Monday and on Wednesday they called to say he was positive. And by that stage, my whole body was achy. And I was like, okay, okay. So I feel like I'm going to be real about this and know what's happening. We'd already obviously self-isolated because he'd flown in from America and I'd done two weeks of shopping. And so the kids and I and Rob were bunkered down. So we um, then by that Friday, I'd had a test and that Sunday I got diagnosed positive with COVID-19. And so we had it they kept saying to us on the phone, well, it sounds like you got a pretty mild case, which made me really pissed off, to be honest, because I was quite sick. But mm. looking back now, I was like, oh, we would never, ever even borderline of thinking about going to hospital or anything. Like we... Yeah, yeah. We were we've learned so much since last, right. March last year. So, yeah. And it was in a time, you've got to remember that it was in a time that was very fear-driven. Like everything, I had to turn the TV off because everything was like, let's not contribute to the curve. We've got to get the curve down. And I'm like, we're contributing to this curve in the most wrong way there is. Like, <laughs> sorry, Australia, but we are, yep. you know, um, and we didn't know where it was going to head. So it was very scary. One thing I've learned about that time is that the mindset hacks and the, the, um, the, hacking human potential aspect of it that came in I realized afterwards was the strategies that I had every day to wake up and ask myself questions that I teach my clients all the time which is is this real and can I change it they're two questions I ask myself so every day I was like is this real well yes obviously I've got COVID can I change it no. and this was a frustrating bit for me I was like no because mm-hmm. I, it's a virus I have to let it run its course and then I would ask myself am I worse no am I better no and that went for days on end yeah but that made me feel safe that I was like okay well if I'm not getting any worse I'm okay I don't need to panic um I had to have a friend have a very stern talking to me where she was like okay don't get out of bed for four days or whatever it is because you know you've got kids and we had an overlapping time of being sick so I was we had to feed them and yeah um I was playing, people were so lovely. They sent board games and things that the kids could play on their own, but of course they wanted me to sit with them. And so I would do that. And the Um, kids didn't contract COVID? Well, not that we know. There was not enough tests at the time. So they didn't test them unless they were symptomatic, but they were super healthy and fine. Okay. So they didn't show any symptoms? None at all. No. Um, And we seemingly recovered from that and got super fit and healthy. Rob rode, I think it was in October, Rob rode over a thousand kilometers to fundraise for kids with cancer, you know, like a virtual ride that he did on his own. He's a big bike rider. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost as a stuff you to, sorry if that's, I don't know how much. I I know we swear all the time on this podcast. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was like, I'm doing this fantastic. Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, I'm doing this intense 60-day program and I'm going to get so fit. And we did. And me being me, we documented it all on social media. And then in November, um, Rob was doing a ride in the garage on his wind trainer and he called out to me and he said, I feel like I'm going to faint. But it was a really hot day. Um, And then he kind of recovered and 45 minutes later it happened again inside, but really bad. And his heart rate shot up to like 210. So we called an ambulance. He'd recovered by the time they came and they said, look, Something has happened, but you're fine now. You don't need to go to the hospital, but definitely see a doctor. Now, in that time, we had been received text messages and kudos to New South Wales Health because we had received text messages to say, you've got a follow-up COVID appointment. So what they do is they, once you've tested positive, you go in for a three-month, six-month and 12-month check. Now, we'd missed three months because this system wasn't set up because we were first cabs off the rank in the country of having it. Yep. So this was our six-month check. Um, 
And Rob decided not to show up to his because he was super healthy. And he was like, what a waste of time, whatever. This is only, you know, I'm busy. And mine was a week later because that's when we got our diagnosis. And I happened to say to the doctor, uh, I don't know if this is important, but my husband collapsed at home the other night and he kind of just went wide-eyed and said, he has to come in. I'm booking a cardiology appointment for him and he'll come in and have all of his... And the COVID tests were an ECG, so a heart test, lung x-ray and full bloods where they check your antibodies and stuff. Um, and I have since said to that doctor, I had to go back for my next appointment. And I said, oh, you saved my husband's life. Mm. You got him in the next yeah. week. So Rob has developed um, quite intense scarring on his heart that um, looks like when a virus goes to your heart. So there, he's super healthy. There's no family history of heart condition. And because of that, um, they said, I oh, would like to put an internal defibrillator in. So, you know, like when you see people get shocked on the movies and they've got the mm-hmm. paddles, he's got one of them fitted inside of him. So they were like, look, it might never go off, but if it goes off, it could save your life. Yeah. Um, and we did all that and it was quite scary and harrowing. And um, if anyone wants to have a look at it, it's all on my socials because that's what I do. Um, and then we went, came home from Christmas and on the 3rd of January, he decided to start getting back into some exercise and he got shocked by his device twice. And oh. so. Um, wow. Then, like I'm laughing because I'm like, of course, he's like, I'm going to get back in there. And I'm sitting there going. Well. And he wasn't doing anything crazy. Everybody that knows Rob is like, oh, I guess he was pushing. And I go, no, no. He was like eight minutes into like a super cruisy ride and his heart just went berserk and he had to get shocked back into oh. normal rhythm. So I know, and I'm talking about it really lightly, but obviously it was quite an intense time. And, yeah. and as we were in ED, I said to the, and even knowing what we know, I said to the, and they kept asking him all these questions like, so you were awake and do you have any pain in your left arm? And, and all these questions. And I'm like, what is happening? And we looked at each other and I was like, am I really dumb? I did not think this thing was going off. And I guess that speaks to our mindset where we were like, okay, the device is in, we're good, next. Like, just let's live life mm-hmm. um, a bit naively. And he had developed what's called ventricular tachycardia. So he gets an extra beat, but if his heart beat goes irregular, it can't control itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're having conversations like medication can fix it, but it has major effects on your livers and kidney. And he's 38. Mm-hmm. Um, or we can do this really great but super risky surgery. It's super risky up front, but it could cure it where we go in with electrodes to your heart and map your heart and find where those things are and then ablate them so they burn them. And then you potentially will never have it again unless you grow back another one. And we decided that that was the right choice for us because me, him being on, he was already on medication and stronger medication for potentially the rest of his life kind of scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, sent, he had that surgery and, and, and that got fixed and it wasn't as bad in the end. They thought they'd find lots of them, but they only found one area where that was being triggered. Yeah. Um, and so he's the safest he's ever been now, but we're navigating this new life where he's very tired from medication and, and extremely fearful to do anything. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so, and you know what they say, you can't coach your family. So it's been quite challenging in our house where I'm like, you well, let me help you with some strategies. And <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, stop doing that. Stop coaching me. Yeah. He sees it coming a mile away. So um, your but, tone probably changes as well. Cause I know when 100%. I, food, my husband's like, you're doing that thing again. I'm like, I yeah. he's like you said one word and I heard your tone yeah. knew what was coming I'm like oh he's like don't talk to me with your coaching voice I'm like, I don't have a coaching voice I'm with my clients the way I am with everybody else okay. um 
but the specialists and stuff have been amazing. And so now he's in, in May, he's going to start cardiac rehab and they'll hook him up to machines and yeah. kind of show him that he's safe and well. And, and um, you know, he's majorly fearful of the one thing he loves most, which is exercise and pushing himself to extra. Like he's even more determined and focused than me and, and a bit psycho, I would say, in terms of exercise. So he um to get back to that will be a long road, but yeah. hopefully we're gonna start that soon. Wow. Mm. And he's thirty-eight, you said. Yeah, he's younger than me, thirty-eight. That's incredibly scary and mm. opening. As I said, I haven't I haven't spoken to anyone that contracted COVID, went through that. And obviously, like in your case, early days, so you were just hanging at home and and right. fortunate that you were both so fit and healthy because that's mm-hmm. been incredibly detrimental to and we know that now. Like we're you know, as we're recording at the moment, we are watching the harrowing, devastating effects of COVID in India. Mm. Watching those numbers soar through the room. Like I, we haven't seen anything like it, even like when we look at what happened or has happened and continues to happen in the States and mm if we haven't quite seen anything like we're seeing in India. And, and you would think that post already 12 months later, we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing happen in India. But um, That we'd be able to prevent that, yeah. Yeah, we would think that we would be able to prevent just those numbers rising so rapidly. Um, but we're, you know, as we can see, we, we're not there and we'll have to see. And that was the scary thing about it, I suppose. Like when we got it, like hindsight's a great thing, but when we got it, we were like, oh, is Australia going to head towards the path of the States and everybody else where this just gets out of control? And even what you guys saw in Melbourne where yeah. it was pretty scary for quite yeah, some time. 700. And we had no idea where it was going to go. And so we were just like stay home so that we can eat the food that we know serves us. And and we lost all sense of taste and smell. So that was quite challenging. But mm-hmm. um you know, it was like smoothies packed with greens and, and all the things that we knew and were educated to do for ourselves because we just knew that once we go to hospital that, that those I'm a very control the controllables person. So yeah. it's like once one of us goes to hospital, we are no longer in control of what happens. Yeah, you can't, you know, you're not making your green smoothies and you're yeah. not eating not, yeah. the things and that and you, even just what you're seeing in your yeah. eyeballs and the emotional trauma from that and you know it's um so that was a very big focus so to bring you to where we are now and then there's still places in the world that are just so devastated by it is mm-hmm. it's, it's heart- heartbreaking yeah because it's just like you know we realize that and this is where we were talking about talking earlier about that line and and knowing mm-hmm. sometimes you can push yourself to it but sometimes you've got to surrender because you don't mm-hmm don't have the capacity um sometimes to the thing has to happen and and we have to yeah from there Um, one of the most frustrating sentences you will ever hear is let it ride its course (laughs) i don't want to or when people say (laughs) you know it is what it is and i'm like shut up is it though i'm not sure it is (laughs) i hate that i say it all the time don't get me wrong it is what it is but that's when i am very much resigned to the thing because yeah, I was going to ask that because I will only say it if I'm triggering myself to surrender. If I think yeah, about yeah, it, I'm like, that's I, I what I'll say, say where I'm like, there's no other choice here. This is where we're at. Yeah, that's when I have to surrender, when I'm like, sit down. Yeah. Be okay. <laughs> In your not okay moment, be okay with it is what it is because yeah. you can't do anything. Um, yeah. 
So I'm sure there were a million lessons in mm. in that time period from November, oh, sorry, from March to November, and then mm. you know, even today. One, two questions for you: How were and are the kids, and what were their learnings, or what did you see change in them? Mm. And are there major takeaways, or is it just keep doing what I'm doing because I know that what I do works? Um. Kids always gets me. It's always the bit that makes me come unstuck a little bit. <laughs> they, um, it's been quite, it's funny. You look at them and you're like, they're, look, they're so resilient and they have been so wonderful. If you put everything that happened on paper and you had asked me what would happen, well, I'm not even sure I would have guessed, but I certainly would have said worse things than we've reacted. You know, I, I would have thought we would have been way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, my dad passed away from a stroke uh, eight years ago. And at the time, like he was hooked up to machines and we quite young kids in our family. And we had that the therapist came in and said, look, show them everything because what they're going to make up in their minds is way worse than anything mm-hmm. that you will show them. They, yeah. they can't, they just don't have the capacity to join the dots. Mm-hmm. So we came into this with that mentality. We had friends call when we were in the car and they're like, oh, do you have the kids in the car? I'm like, yep, but that's okay. We're not hiding anything from the kids. Like they know everything that you know. And um, I wanted them to feel really secure that we were being honest and that they knew what was going on with their papa. And, you know, remember they also couldn't come to hospital. It was a time where kids weren't alone in hospitals, no extra visitors. And so, you know, coming home, long and emotional days at hospital to then coming home and being emotionally supportive to your kids is quite challenging sorry no that's that's completely fine um these are those real moments that we care because they're real and they're vulnerable and yeah yeah. and so they've been complete troopers like i said but you know there's little things that we've had to put in place like we got a school counselor for arlo and you know, we're having conversations with our kids. Like, well, what happens when you all die and I'm left alone because I'm the youngest? And I can't say to him, oh, that's not how it works, mate. Like, <laughs> yeah, we could all go at any time. You need to be real about um, that one. But it's also not but how then it from works. That, there's, yeah, but there's it's these beautiful right. conversations also that lead from that where we go, well, this is why we build the life that we build where we have friends and we have family and we have people that are important to us that love you as much as we love you, mm. that you'll always have someone. Um, and then he just says, oh, is death forever? Because what if I want to cuddle? You know, this is a six-year-old. So while they're harrowing, they're also really nice conversations to have Yeah. Um, to teach your kids about why their life is so important and why. And don't get me wrong, we still have, and, and probably more so have days where emotions are heightened and Rob and I are exhausted. Mm. We just don't want one more question, but they're the priority. Yeah, um, but that's normally when you so, really poke and prod the questions, because they can yes they can sense the vulnerability, or they can sense that something's not quite right, or that yes, and they want to and they tune into that, so they want to know, and yeah, what comes out is normally in a question or a mood or an action, but yeah, yeah, they're very attuned to what's going on, and Arlo's always been now challenging child in terms of his determination and and questions and so his behavior probably from the outside looked like 
he was being annoying and frustrating. But to me, I'm like, oh, he's struggling with computing all of this. Mm. Whereas Lucan is very insular and he'll go quiet and you have to make sure to ask the right questions because what he thinks about is quite often, you know, he puts two and two together and makes 10 and you just go, oh, no, mate, that's not <laughs> what's going on here. So, you know, we also have... It, but the, to answer your second part of that question, what we've learned is that, yes, the strategies and what we do just do work because organically through mentoring of mine and things I've learned and how I want to live my life, we also go to bed and do gratitudes and talk about our day and, mm, yeah. you know, the things that are most important to us. So we could continue those practices. It wasn't like I had to bring them in during this time. So we could continue those practices and that's how they had a safe space to ask questions and to say how they felt and, um um, you know, and the strategies I used while I had COVID or while I was driving home from the hospital exhausted of going, oh, okay, I have to have a little bit more because I have to go now go and pick up the kids from a friend's house and it's 10 o'clock at night and I've got to get them to bed feeling safe and secure. And if I didn't do all of this before, I wouldn't have had it in me to then show up for them. So it was really important for me and, and kind of nice to look back and go, oh, all the work I've done and, you know, becoming an expert in my field is really also helping my family and me in this really challenging and unpredictable time, which as if you haven't noticed already, I obviously like to control things. So, um, you know, controlling as much as I can. And it has to be also said, you know, we haven't been in Sydney that long, but to have developed, you know, I joked with Rob when we had COVID, I was like, if I wasn't someone who spoke to everybody that walked past, no one would be dropping food we off at no their friends. door right now and we would be hungry and starving. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So you um, stop telling me to stop talking to all the people. Exactly. And <laughs> similarly, you know, getting home from hospital one night and dragging the kids out of the car and my neighbour just appearing because she'd seen my Instagram stories about how I'd had to stop for petrol and for some reason that day I thought it was a really great idea to strip my sheets that morning and I remember that my bed wasn't made. And I was like, oh, someone shoot me in the face. Like I just, you know, they're the things. You can do the rest of it, but the washing and all that, that's like that. It would be what makes me come unstuck. Yeah, and so yeah. she just appeared and took my keys and went and made my bed. Well, I put the kids to bed, and and just beautiful little things like that of like, oh, we have actually created and are creating a life that is important and means something. And that is such a beautiful lesson to pass on to everyone. Yeah, when your kids. Um, yeah, you know, this is why we do what we do, and this mm. is why we surround ourselves with good people because. We actually don't know what's coming around the corner and um, mm-hmm. we can, you know, get through what's coming around the corner in a life that we love with people that we love, then it, then it makes it all worthwhile. So yeah, and that's, um, that was probably, you, you know those things, right? But mm-hmm. until they happen, you oh, don't yeah, know yeah. that you can cope with it. You hope so, that they're there. You hope yeah. that everything you've done is there. And yeah the right things um but yeah you don't um and sometimes you never see it because hopefully we don't have to go through that kind of trauma yes yeah time and time again um but and circling back to habits and how long they take it was really nice moment for me to look back and go oh those habits that I've worked so hard to hack and form just happened I still worked out that whole time because innately that was the thing I stepped up before I went to hospital before and not to be a martyr about it or to be like see I can work out in this you can do it like it wasn't about any of that it was about if I don't do this and then I go and sit in a hospital for eight hours and then I pick up my kids like I give myself two maybe three days max and I'm no good to anyone yeah yeah so true so we're in 2020 
Um, we're currently recording right at the end of April. Um, this episode will come out a few weeks later. But um, how is 2020 going and what what are you working on at the moment? What like, Are there projects on the horizon? Is it about family and, and just kind of doing that? Yeah. A little bit of everything. What's, what's going on with you? Um, certainly the start of 2021 has been family focused. Um, and there was a big chunk of time, but it's funny you ask because in the last probably three weeks, I've been like, okay, it's time. Like things have to go back. (laughs) I need my work. Yeah, exactly. Um, I joked the other day, someone, one of my old bosses was like, how's that ankle going, Amanda? Have you had your surgery yet? And I go, no, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about asking for a two week stay and maybe my medical condition will come on the top of the list. (laughs) And that's when you go, oh, maybe you should you know, take some time. But um, yeah, so now for 2021, I have um, a membership that I've had going the whole time. So I coach into that monthly uh, where we share, you know, we do exercise um, challenges together and we work through mindset hacks and I train into that um, every month. And that's always been there and ticking along. And I've loved having to show up for that because I think that keeps you um, in check with all these things and what life is about and, mm. and helping other people always, always helps me step up in my own life. Um, and um, I've probably changed focus a little bit because, which has also been a good thing because of what's happened, obviously, particularly in the immediate future, I need to be in and around home just in case. Yeah. Um, so um, I've actually made it a focus to do more VIP one-on-one clients, which I love anyway. That was the thing I wanted to do always, but you're always like, oh. Um, but I do, I am making plans to run a retreat as well. I love taking people away and out of their comfort zone and taking them through exercise and fitness and training on nutrition and going through all these um, unintentional thoughts that stop us and changing them into intentional ones. So that's what's happening for me um, in terms of work yeah. at the same time as being, you know, Rob travels a lot for his work. So being quite present with the kids and um, that's already a concern for them. They're always like, how long will he be gone and who's with him and what, what if something happens? And so it's, you know, balancing all those things. Yeah. And, well, it sounds like even on the hard days that you've got it sorted, which is great to hear. It's great to hear that you have mm-hmm community that you have um that your kids are open and um asking questions and and doing the things that they need to do and yeah like fingers crossed it's onwards and upwards which yeah which is really great and i've become much better at asking for help yeah see i love that That i didn't even have to talk to you about that one yeah (laughs) i've become much better at it (laughs) that's my thing i'm like can you please ask for help that's what we do And I'm like, let's have a chat. Are you me to tell you that? You've got that sorted. I've got sort. I had someone say to me a while ago, Amanda, let people do for you what you so willingly do for them. Mm. Like you, you're taking it away from them. And when I thought about it like that, I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah right it's now. their gift. It's their gift. Yeah. You or the world or whatever is. Mm-hmm. Well, I literally walked into mum's last week and I was like, I'm not adulting. These children are yours. <laughs> Feed them. Do what you want with them. I'm out. <laughs> Now we have, um, and we've chatted prior to recording about a few people, few women that we know, but you have mm. amazing women in your circle and in your community, but who inspires you? It could be, you know, how this goes. You've listened to the podcast. It could be, it. Um, but who I inspires do. you? And I wanted a really succinct, strong answer for you. 
And I was like, I still don't have it. Um, I love that you were like, this is the one question I know she will want to know the answer. I know. And I'm going to nail it. I'm going to plan it. And now you're like, I got nothing. (laughs) No, I do. But you know, when you're like, it could be this or that, or I can't just say that person because then what about that person? And what that's what that brought me to was like, how fortunate that I can't nail down one person. Um, oh yeah how that that is it's how how beautiful is yeah of having more than one inspirational person yeah yeah um but I will say you know there's a there's a few different answers and one is of course my mum and my sister who have always guided me to be who everything I can be in life like my my childhood story is them telling me and my dad telling me that you can be what you want to be as long as you create it and as long as you put in the work and it'll be tough but you can be whoever you want to be yeah. Um, and I'm really lucky. I've come to realise over time that I'm one of the fortunate ones. Not I thought it was the norm, and I've come to learn it's probably not likely the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and there's my work, and through mentoring, and through just meeting so many incredible women in business and life that have encouraged me to be who I am today. And I'd say the most, the thing that inspires me the most is, um, you know, I have this thing that I tell my clients and that is the woman that inspired me, most of my clients are women. I was like, the woman that inspires me the most is the one you showed me. I always make them take before and after pictures. And I was like, the one you showed me in the before pictures because that was the woman who decided to change and she decided to do something about it. And that was when you were at your most inspirational, motivational, like that is the person that you should be most proud of because that's the person I'm most proud of. And I'm always inspired by people who do the hard and when they're in the hard, not the results at the end and the after picture where you're feeling glorious and fabulous, but, you know, in the muck of it um, is what is the most inspiring. And doing what I do, it would probably be remiss of me to say and to not say, you know, that I inspire myself. I'm a big believer that you don't wait around for motivation or inspiration, that the things that I do every day continually inspire me and sometimes shock me and go, wow, I'm pretty amazing. I just did that. And you know, that was hard or that was challenging or that came easy because it didn't used to. Yeah. Um, and that's along the lines of just being a little bit better every day and, mm. and being inspired by that. So that is my long-winded answer to oh, your question. That oh, I, what a great what a great answer to the question and of what <laughs> our listeners really think about just, just looking in that mirror and going, today that person in front of me in the mirror is the person that's going to be... Uh-huh. And, and that is why that person is the person that inspires me to. Uh, because there was a time that there wasn't, that wasn't, you know, there's a time that I looked in the mirror and I was like, mm. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. So if we can get to a point where that is inspiring, it's a pretty great feeling. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was incredible. Thank you very much for your time today. Um, Thank you for having me. Our listeners, we will make sure that all of Amanda's details, definitely her socials, go <laughs> dance while she's dancing on reels and like just that will make you feel it like you did the reel and then you don't have to do it well it'll do it for you it's totally fine (laughs) um (laughs) but all of her um handles and website and all of that sort of stuff will be in our show notes so please um if you want some of this um this in your life then um i definitely social media might be the good place to start but all of the details will be there thank you again amanda um it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you um yeah and to our listeners we will chat to you again on the next episode of she inspires me 
Thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.